Bitter and Carp. And with me oh. now, in this quarter, weighing a light 52 pounds, <laughs> it's oh, my wife, John Thrasher. John, how you doing? I think you need to add several hundred more pounds to that, but yeah, that sounds about right. You're 952 pounds I'm is what I wanted to say, but I didn't want to give it away. I didn't want to. Oh my God. On that topic, can I just say, so I was like losing weight, right? Okay. I was eating really healthy. I was counting calories. And you know what you happened You mean over, during? you mean recently? Or you yeah, recently. Me? Sorry. Okay. Yes. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, like through August, even maybe part of July, like July, August, whatever. And you were pickleballing like, Oh, I mean, every day. Yeah, every, every day. day. But, you know, now it's winter. Well, it feels like winter. It's freezing here um, where I am. But but also, you know what else happened, Darren, is I came to New York in September and I wasn't Uh-oh. able to cook for myself. I was ordering out every single place. And I was like halfway through the week, I was like, I'm just giving up. Like, I'm just going to enjoy the food while I'm here and I'll make up for it later, whatever. And I got back and I actually weighed the same. So I was like, oh, OK, well, I guess that wasn't as bad. You're you like, know what it was? great. yeah exactly motherfucker motherfucker but now that it's colder like i'm finding myself drinking more pumpkin spice lattes more of your apple pie baileys my apple pie baileys and i I will get to that in the listener shout outs by the way in case you didn't catch our live stream from a few weeks ago oh because i witnessed it firsthand but i did that was an exclusive experience for me of course (laughs) that's right and all the drink your dessert was very exclusive to me yes well and the patreon listeners too but anyway i was just complaining about it getting cold because you know me i hate the cold well uh, listen i understand because I'm currently on vacation right now with my I know. amazing girlfriend in Napa. And um, Nadine is just, she's so, she's like an athlete. Like she's so physically yeah. fit and she like yeah. runs marathons and she was like a pro soccer player. And she what? loves, she, yeah, she's like insane. And she um, was on <laughs> keto forever just because it makes her feel good. Not for like dietary, okay. but she's just like sometimes, you know, like a lot of carbs, like don't make me feel good. But totally. on this I trip, I was like, babe, we're going to like Michelin stars. I was like, I mm-hmm. want to eat every motherfucking thing. I was Absolutely. like, if they give us something, we're eating it. So she's like, okay, I'm going off keto. <laughs> I'm going to go off keto. And like, literally, like, we were making fun of each other because last night at dinner, we were like, we're going to have the fries. We're going to have the bread. We're going to oh have the gnocchi. We're going to have the steak. She was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have yeah, every delicious that's... item that I can pack into in a day. And then I'll go back on keto when we come home. So like we were just that's the cracking. Same thing, yeah. We were cracking up last night because we were like, we went on vacation and now we're both like, oh. I know. Oh. I was just talking to my friend. I was like, I feel and look like the Hindenburg disaster. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, everything is a disaster right now. Everything but, is a disaster, but uh, I'm eating but and drinking my way through Napa, so you guys will be happy I to love that. that. Yes. And by yeah. the way, I will say, shout out to you, Darren, for taking the time to record this week while you're on vacation, because Lord knows when I get a vacation, I am not available, okay? So don't ask Fair. me to record. And it's really a shout out to Nadine, who's being very patient with me, because she has really put yeah. this vacation together, and I'm like, I'm Aww. still working. So shout out to Nadine, but uh, I am going to drink for the show. I was going to say, course. what are we consuming? That's well, right. I'm in, I'm in wine country and yeah. last yesterday we had this incredible wine tasting and I'm not a big red wine drinker, let me okay. say. But oh, yeah. we got this bottle of Merlot and they're known for like their mm. you know, their Cabernets and Merlots yeah. and stuff. And so I'm drinking a Merlot right now that we got from <laughs> uh, one of our tasting places. It was oh, called nice. Duckhorn. So it was really Duckhorn. good. Duckhorn. Beautiful view. So I'm going to have good? 
it I wouldn't be drinking red wine if it didn't taste good to me. Okay, that's I fair. don't yeah. like it enough to have it. Interesting. Uh, and these were very, very good. So I'm it, it, an ode to when in Rome, when I, you're in yeah. Napa, must drink wine. So I'm drinking that today. What are you drinking, well, John? Well, before we move on from that, you know, I have to take this moment to give my here we go city um, my moment here because if you're tired, if you're tired, you take a Napa. You don't, you don't move to Napa. You take a Napa, Nadine. You don't move uh, to Napa. Yeah, God, Nadine. Literally every day I say this to her. Every day. Okay, that's what I figured. Yeah. And yeah. By the way, the reboot of Sex in the City, well, the sequel, I guess, um, called And Just Like That, is coming out in December, and I am so excited. I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be um, great. I'm having, I'm pulling a Darren Carp, Darren, because I'm having simply Uh-oh. a Diet Coke because I have plans after our recording, so I oh. can't be going too crazy. So I'm fulfilling your typical New York City dream of just a Diet Coke. You didn't now. put a dash of apple pie Baileys in there? I thought, no, no, <laughs> apple Boy, pie that Baileys be a in bad the Coke. Combination. No, that would be really, truly hideous. Um, no, nothing for me today, but next week I'll be back to my binge drinking, I'm sure. By the way, just with things that sound bad but might be good, mm-hmm. yesterday at this wine tasting um, with this red wine, you wouldn't think about like red wine and coffee going together, obviously, because mm. these are two like dehydrating drinks, yeah, but they, right. gave us, they gave us this red wine and they gave us this cheese that was coffee and lavender <gasps> infused, and it was like one of the best... <sighs> flavor profile combinations I've sort of ever had so if any one of you come across this like lavender coffee (laughs) cheddar I highly recommend I may I may need you to help me find that because that sounds absolutely amazing really really good because I wouldn't think coffee and cheese but then like I could see how that like kind of smoky bitterness with the cheese would work it worked it worked in a way that both Nate and I were like oh wow this is like a shocking profile that we never thought anyway by the way it sounds like we need to start a wine and cheese podcast by the sounds of this first part of the episode yeah I don't see why we wouldn't I don't I don't see we can call it wine w-h-i-n-e and then it's just us (laughs) complaining about everything (laughs) or we have our friend Kenyon Lang from wine and crime podcast come and join us she would probably know and shout out to Kenyon because she's also on an upcoming episode of betrayal that's right it's a good episode before we get started I wanted to tell you guys about the perfect streaming service for everyone who's listening to this podcast shaken and disturbed It's called Shudder, and what is better on a chilly fall night than curling up in front of your TV for a great scary movie? Well, nobody has a better collection of horror, thriller, and supernatural than Shudder, the best streaming service for horror. Shudder is the exclusive home for the found footage hit VHS 94, which is a Shudder original. Binge the latest seasons of Creepshow and Slasher, both exclusively on Shudder. Catch new episodes of drag competition show The Boulay Brothers' Dragula, and new docuseries Behind the Monsters on the origins and pop culture dominance of your favorite modern movie monsters. New exclusives this month include Nicolas Cage in Prisoners of the Ghostland and killer shark movie Great White. I've loved browsing around Shudder because they have such a unique library of content. They have the old classics, they have modern favorites, they have everything that you want, and I have so many streaming services at this point, but this one really stands out because there's fresh content that I've never seen. And frankly, you guys listening to Shake and disturbed 
why not watch Shudder? I mean, listen to the, the titles. They're amazing. Uh, get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes must-see titles like Vicious Fun, The Mortuary Collection, and PG Psycho Gorman, plus all the best horror documentaries and the hit creep show TV series from executive producer Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead. To try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use promo code SHAKEN, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com slash SHAKEN. All right, let's get this show on the road now. In the summer of 1896, we're throwing it all the way back again this week. By the way, I love these older episodes, to be Me honest. Me too, because there's yeah. something so haunted about that. Yeah. And like, that you that it just feels like ghost stories, even though murders obviously happened in the 1800s. But it feels very like, it's easy to get away with murder then. And I feel like it just the vibes of like the late 1800s, early yeah. 1900s are just spooky to begin with. Totally, totally. So 1896, a tall, handsome man named Erasmus Edward Trout Shoe. What a moved, name. I know. Moved to Greenbrier County, West Virginia, where he took a job at a blacksmith shop. How and... far is Greenbrier County from <laughs> it's... Morgantown? From Morgantown, where I went to WVU and lived for five years, um, it's like, I want to say maybe two hours. There's a very popular oh. uh, resort there called the Greenbrier, and it's very, very ritzy. Um, actually, it's very Venus... she, she. It's very she. Exactly, she. exactly. And in fact, Venus and Serena would do tennis exhibitions there. So oh, it was, well. I, oh, I well. know. I never got to go, but. Um, if they're ever there again, I would love to go. But yeah, it's, I'm pretty familiar with, well, frankly, honestly, just the Greenbrier, <laughs> but not the county. But anyway, I do have some affiliation, so there you go. Well, soon after arriving to town, Trout met a woman named Zona Heaster, a local farmer's daughter. I love the name Zona, too, by the way. Zona's a cool name, yeah. The, yeah, and the two immediately fell in love, although Zona's mother, Mary Jane Robinson Heaster, didn't approve of the relationship. She disliked Trout um, almost instantly and repeatedly warned Zona that she felt something was off about him. And this kind of throws me back all the way, Darren, to my first ever podcast I hosted called Glee Chat. And oh, I it was, yeah, it was a show where we recapped every single episode of Glee. I don't know how the hell we did it. And then we would do it after the show and release it that night. Like, who am I? Also, but, like, I just want you to know that I love the Glee Project and never watch Glee. I think I've said this before. That, because a lot the Glee of people Project have said that. Yes. is like on oxygen. And I yeah, was just was. obsessed with the show. I know. It was such a good show. But in Glee, um, there's a character uh, played by Cord Overstreet. His name is Sam. And there's a whole song called Trouty Mouth. And it's because wow. his lips are so big and they made fun of him for looking like a fish. That seems that, wrong. That show is that problematic. Seems... Yeah, no, we wouldn't I was going to say, that feels that. like the opposite of what they should be doing, <laughs> but that's cool. But that's the song cool. is really like kind of a nice song. Actually, it was um, sung by the late uh, Naya Rivera. So check it out. And I'm sure it's on Apple Music or Spotify if you have that. But anyway, I, yeah. the name Trout is just reminding me of this. So anyway, Mary and Zona had no way of knowing this, but Trout did have a criminal record. He'd spent two years in prison for stealing a horse. See, this is why these crimes are great. This is why these <laughs> 1800s, like stealing a horse, like, yes. I know. Yes. I know. You don't hear about, like, school shootings. You hear about, you know, people stealing horses. Exactly. That's the sign of the time. And, like, the churned butter or something right. like that. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. 
Well, in spite of her mother's warnings, Zona and Trout got married on October 20th, 1896 at the local Methodist church. At her wedding, Zona wore a burgundy dress with a high collar. Very here for tri- it. Yeah, totally here, here for, for that. They spent three months living together as husband and wife, and then on Friday, January 23rd, 1897, Trout asked Andy Jones, a young boy who worked in the blacksmith shop, to visit Zona at home and see if there was anything she needed from the store. When he arrived at the home, the boy found Zona's lifeless body laying on the floor at the bottom of the stairs. Zona's body was oddly positioned as well, was stretched out with her feet like placed together, basically. One of her hands uh, laid on her abdomen while the other one laid next to her head, and her head was turned sideways with her eyes still open. Okay, so I was going to say this looks basically the... I, I, when I say I like it, I mean, it's always an interesting mystery when a body is positioned sure. in a way that doesn't look like... Ha- that doesn't look haphazard as if like, okay, you shot yeah. someone, they fall back how they're supposed to look, because right. that's very religious in terms of the way that it feels very like sacrificial or there's something something kind of religious about it although i was gonna say like stretch out with her feet placed together one of her hands laying on her abdomen and the other on her head and on her side her head on her side is like how i sleep oh my god it's like how now that you not with my eyes open though not yeah you don't sleep with your eyes open Um, but that would be cool if you did yeah, or creepy. I'm not or confident creepy. that, that mm-hmm. anyone would like that, but uh, okay. Well, Andy ran home to tell his mother about the body he found, and Mrs. Jones called both Trout and the town's doctor coroner, Dr. George Knapp, to the shoe's house. Although he was local, it took the doctor nearly an hour to arrive on scene. Again, this is not, we don't have Teslas. Like, right. this is... This is, the roads are probably not even paved at this point. Right. And by the time he arrived, Trout had moved his wife's body upstairs and laid it on the bed. Although the local custom of the time dictated a woman's body should be cleaned and dressed for burial by other women in the town, Trout had gone ahead and dressed and prepared his wife's body himself. This feels a little sus, but I can't mm-hmm. tell yet. When Dr. Knapp arrived, he found Zona's body dressed in her best clothing, the same burgundy dress with a high collar Zona had worn to their wedding, hence us mentioning that detail at the beginning. Right. Trout also placed a veil over his wife's face. Dr. Knapp mm. attempted to examine Zona's body to try and determine a cause of death, and a preliminary inspection turned up some bruising on her neck. However, Trout insisted on remaining by his wife's side throughout the examination, cradling her head and weeping so hard that it was difficult for the doctor to perform an adequate investigation, which, okay, not having the same forensic science in the back of, in the late 1800s, I mean, you know, right now, 2021, no one would ever allow this, right? Like, you can grieve, but you can't be in the coroner's office, you know, holding the head as they're trying to examine the body, but... Yeah. Losing a significant other like that, especially after you just got married three months earlier, I relate to this guy's, yeah. you know, just utter tragedy, at least right now. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I immediately go to, you know, I'm thinking he's very sus, first of all. So I'm like, what are you doing by holding her head and cradling her? Are you, like, keeping the doctor from seeing, like, a bullet mm. wound or something, or it, you know? Or is this just... Uh, a widowed husband who yeah, lost his true. wife yeah. and is horrible. And that's why it's really hard to tell about people's emotional responses sometimes. Right. We often talk about. So when the doctor attempted to take a closer look at Zona's neck, Trout became so hysterical that the doctor decided instead to end the investigation and leave the home. Oh, God. Which also seems a little odd. Now, at first, Zona's yeah. cause of death was listed as everlasting faint, 
Oh my God. But was later changed to childbirth. Now, what's interesting here, though, is there's no record, no actual record as to whether Zona was pregnant at the time of her death. But we do know that several weeks before, Dr. Knapp, this is so of the times when I say this, but Dr. Mm -hmm. Knapp had treated her for, quote unquote, female trouble. Female trouble could have easily been her period, which, you know, happens. Uh, It's a natural process of life. So, you know, there are a lot of, um, up until basically like the 70s, 80s, it was always about like women being hysterical with their hormones and that time of the month and pregnancy. And so obviously in the late 1800s, there could have been a lot of that. You know, she could have been weeping for something and they'd be like, oh, you know, female trouble again. Like, we don't Mm -hmm. know. But childbirth seems like an odd thing to die from. Just like not knowing whether or not she's pregnant. That's all I'm saying. Right, at that, at that point. And I think to, I think about you, Darren, you know, um, how much female trouble have you had over the years in terms uh, of your relationships, okay? You know what I'm saying? I've had my own female trouble. You're I've right? dated people with female trouble. There's a lot of female <laughs> trouble on this podcast. I'll on this podcast. And yes. none of it is for me. Let's put it that way. Absolutely um, not. I'm the opposite. I give no trouble to females whatsoever. It's great. <laughs> you are, um, you're, if anything, you're a gentleman. You leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, that's a whole other story. Well, Zona's parents lived about 15 miles outside of town in an isolated area called Meadow Bluff. Originally, Dr. Knapp would have sent one of his associates to notify the Heasters of their daughter's death, though it turned out that news of Zona's passing had already spread quickly throughout the town, and by the afternoon, two of Zona's friends volunteered to ride out and notify her parents themselves. Talk about good friends, by the way. I mean, that's, like, really good friends. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, who, I mean, that's like... I mean, I can't imagine having to break that news to people's families that I know. So that's taking one for the team. But when Mary Heaster learned that her daughter had passed, it was reported that she immediately stated, the devil has killed her. Ew, I don't like that. Uh, On That seems very like... Uh, something of the times witchy. Or something yeah. maybe? Like... It's, it's very crucible. It's giving crucible. It's, um, yes. Yes. <laughs> On Saturday, January 24th, which was my birthday if I were alive in those days, Zona's body was brought to her parents' house by a funeral procession of friends, neighbors, and of course, Trout. Trout reportedly showed extraordinary devotion to the body. That's a quote. He remained at the head of the open coffin throughout the journey to Meadow Bluff and never strayed from it the entire time it was on display to mourners. Are you starting to think that there's something going on with the head here? He's hiding. I definitely think there's... First off, her eyes open to the side, him weeping hysterically when the doctor even tries to look. And now with this open casket type of situation, this is very sussy. Very sussy. Very sussy. Thank you. You're the sus reporter today, I think. I am Darren Karp, sus reporting on the front lines of sus. (laughs) Reporter of sus. I am on the front lines of sus every day. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's why we keep you around these parts. Of course. Well, as was the custom, Zona's body stayed on display during her wake on Sunday and throughout the night until her burial on Monday. Many of the mourners who came to say goodbye to Zona noticed that Trout behaved very unusually, seeming to swing back and forth between overwhelming grief and manic energy. Hmm. But again, not looking good. But one of the things like we just said that we really like to emphasize on the show is everyone Everyone? grieves differently. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Because by the way, I was I was just thinking like, you know, I found out that my uncle had passed away when I was 21. He was only like 27. So he was kind of like a big brother to me. And I Mm. remember the feeling of complete despair. And then minutes later feeling like, oh, okay, I can get through this. And then minutes later being like, nope, I'm not going to get through this, you know? So like, I kind of relate. 
And a lot of it is nothing. It's out of your control. It's your yeah. mind protecting you. It's your right. it's your brain. Honestly, like we talk about this in neuroscience, like mm-hmm. your brain has a way of protecting the body subconsciously in a lot of ways. Of you know, course. which is why people yeah. can black out trauma so they don't have mm-hmm. to keep reliving it in their mind. So yep. you're right. I mean, it's really a, a subjective experience. I'm sure. I'm sure it's unusual to people who aren't going through those same emotions. So I'm sure people yeah. who are describing trout at this point are like, "What's going on with him?" Right. Well, Trout refused to allow anyone to get too near his wife's body and insisted that a rolled up cloth be placed on one side of her head and a pillow on the other. There's okay. something with the head here. I'm not I'm not like definitely. This. He claimed the pillow and cloth were placed by her head to help Zona rest easier. Trout well, also. In- well, yeah. yeah. Trout also insisted that a large scarf be tied around his wife's neck, stating to all who inquired about it. It was Zona's favorite scarf. Okay, oh. something's going on. With, yeah. With, as they say, the fish stinks from the head, and this shit is fishy. Yeah, okay? right. Yes, exactly. Well, on Monday, January 26th, it was time for Zona's body to be buried. As she was transported to the cemetery, several mourners pointed out that there seemed to be a a strange looseness to Zona's head. It, it, That's their description. I can't even, like, way. think about it. Like, the, the mm-hmm. descri- like, I can't even think about it. But Zona's mom, Mary, was incredibly suspicious of her son-in-law and was sure that Trout had something to do with Zona's murder, but really had no way of proving his guilt. Right, after so her... she's about to be buried, by the way, and there's still really and nothing it's gonna be going done. on. Yeah. And then it's going to be done. So after her daughter's wake, Mary tried to return the sheet from inside Zona's coffin to Trout, but he refused to accept it. Mary oh. folded it up to put away instead, and when she did so, she noticed the sheet had an odd smell, so she decided to wash it. What okay. happened next, Mary believed, was an omen from her daughter. Okay, hear me okay. out. As she dropped the sheet into the wash basin, the water inside the basin turned red, staining the whole sheet pink. Mary boiled the sheet and hung it outside to dry for several days. Obviously wants to get rid of the germs. By boiling that, you get rid of the germs. Sure. And this this reminds me of you, John. Uh, What is it? The washing the the with the concoction of the bathtub oh my, and you like yes. make whatever that was on tiktok strip that you washing, did strip, strip watching that you did you over put, the summer that's right for anyone who doesn't know it was a tiktok thing where yes. you put all of your stuff into a bathtub with like borax and and whatever else and it apparently and like it cyanide down and, and apparently and apparently it, everything works and i passed out later that so night this it makes was me fun think- yeah, this makes me think of it. So yeah. basically, Mary boiled the sheet and hung it outside to dry for several days, but the okay. red stain wouldn't budge. Ew. And Mary was sure this ghostly blood stain yeah. was a sign from her daughter that she had been murdered. The devout Mary spent several weeks praying every night that her daughter would return and help bring her killer to justice or at least shed some light on how she had died. And after a few weeks of prayer, Zona's spirit appeared at Mary's bedside for four consecutive Oh, nights. boy. Oh bloody boy. Mary, bloody Mary, bloody Mary, bloody Mary. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure we're all protected in this Yeah, room, we're all as, protected. As I say. Okay, we're all protected. We're all protected. But this also reminds me, like, um, you know, I think most people know, I was an English major in college, and I had to list, I had to read and, and watch and, and experience so much uh, American literature. And so much early American literature at this time was so focused on the supernatural and signs and omens and and things happening in nature that can't be explained. And this just really kind of relates in that way. Not to say like any of this didn't happen to her. Like, you know, these are these are accounts that, you know, are on the record, so to speak, and have been fact checked. But you know, a lot of the um, experiences of, of the Americans in this time frame, I feel like were really 
influenced by the supernatural, interestingly enough. But I, uh, you know what I'm you saying? You know, especially because science wasn't as good. You know what I mean? I mean, back, back, mm-hmm. back, back, back in the day, people attributed weather to gods. And so yeah. there's a lot of mystery yeah. with that. You know, a lot of spirituality with That's that. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, the mystery. Well, Mary claimed that at first her daughter appeared as a bright light and a chill in the air before taking on a ghostly form and talking to her mother. Ew, that just gave me chills because, you know, Darren, all the weird things that have happened at my house, I might have experienced some weird stuff like this. You definitely a lot of ghostly forms in there. Well, Zona's ghost told Mary that Trout had been a cruel, abusive husband, excuse me, husband, who had a, did I say husband? A cruel, abusive husband. (laughs) Who had attacked her in a fit of rage because he thought she had forgotten to cook meat for dinner. Again, very sign of the times in that case. Trout apparently broke Zona's neck, killing her. And Ghost Zona showed her mother that she was now able to turn her head completely around until it was facing backwards. I'm freaked out. What? I'm freaked out. And this was apparently all the proof that Mary needed that Trout was uh, had murdered her daughter. After the fourth night of hearing the gruesome story from Zona's ghost, Mary visited the local prosecutor, John Preston, and begged him to reinvestigate her daughter's death. Mary told John about the ghostly visitations in the hopes that he would be able to include them as evidence in I, Zona's murder I case. was literally just going to say, like, could you imagine going to a jury now and be I like, know. well, sir, I dreamed of my daughter being able to flip her head 360 degrees. 60 degrees. So, yeah. Like, could you imagine using this? Like, back then, I could sort of see this being used in the court of law. I mean, that's like the Salem witch trials, right? Like, right, that's what I was just They claim they saw yeah. something, and that was enough. But mm-hmm. now we're 150 years later than the Salem witch trials, and... And, uh, How far removed are we, actually? Who really Yeah, knows? well, that's also a good point. That's also a yeah. good point. Well, John Preston was kind to Mary and spoke to her for several hours, after which time he agreed to speak to Dr. Knapp again and re-interview several other people who were involved with the case. That's actually a lot to commit to, given basically she's saying she dreamed this all. You know what I mean? Like, imagine just showing up and being like, I had a dream, and then, you know, they kind of reopen the investigation. That's a lot. No, that is a lot. Although I imagine it's probably like, listen, you see this grieving mother. and That's true. That's true. You know, all you want to do is help. Is help. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the investigation into Zona's death was indeed reopened, although we have no record as to whether it had to do with Mary's ghost sighting. We do have on record that local newspapers reported there being a lot of community suspicion about the circumstances surrounding Zona's death. Of course there are. There's no cause of, there's no real cause of death here. And And there's no. Fucking Trout was weeping all over her head. So we couldn't even see it that the medical examiner was like, you know what? Bye. Like, that's crazy to me too. Yeah, and John Preston personally paid a visit to Dr. Knapp, who informed the prosecutor that Zona's autopsy had been very quick and incomplete. Well, that's probably because he was, like, you know, infiltrating. Yeah. Yeah. The two men agreed that another autopsy was definitely necessary to put the investigation to rest, and it would clear either Trout's name or even shed light on an innocent woman's murder. You know, there's still potential, you know, a potential murderer out there. Well, and that's also the thing, too, which makes it sus, is, like, if Trout was so upset, I would think, and again, goes back to the emotion thing, but I would think that he would Mm -hmm. want the autopsy to be performed to its fullest extent. Of course. So that way he could find out who the fuck murdered this woman that he's been crying over for X amount. Anyway. Well, a few days later, Zona's body was exhumed. And on February 22nd, which, by the way, has to be traumatic Tra- in and of traumatic. itself. Yeah. 
And on February 22nd, uh, 1887, a second autopsy took place in the local schoolhouse. The children were sent home early that day. Okay, they're doing autopsies in the schoolhouse now? Like, like what is going on? Could you imagine? Like, <laughs> I love, like, an early day at school. Could you imagine? Like, guys, yeah. we're um, going to do an autopsy in high school, so yeah. uh, you guys like are you out? Just, like, you just had steakums, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> is this steakums, or did something get left behind? Cause... It's very uh, fried green tomatoes of you. Well, right. <laughs> an inquest jury of five local men was assembled to a attend the second autopsy according to the local newspaper trout vigorously complained about zona's exhumation but law enforcement made it very clear that if he chose not to attend the inquest he would be brought there by force to which trout replied they will not be able to to prove i did it which is jumping to conclusions which automatically says to me like dude did you do it like there's something involved yeah The autopsy lasted for three hours. Zona's body was almost perfectly preserved because of the cold February weather. Oh, God. Which, to some extent, is nice because that way, hopefully, we'll get some answers to these questions. Yeah. There was was a standard procedure to coroner examinations. First, the internal organs were removed from the body. Second, doctors cut along the base of the skull to remove the brain and examine for trauma. Mm -hmm. And after her organs were removed, the examiners proceeded to make the incision at the back of Zona's head. Now, this is the kind of the key here. At which time, they immediately discovered the evidence they had been looking for. Zona's neck had been completely broken, which Ugh. sort of also sees why that was kind of, you know, like loosely around. Remember they said it was kind of like loosely yeah. attached? This makes sense. And, you know, Megan's, Megan did the research for this, and they yeah. kind of, she kind of noted, like, they couldn't tell that her neck was broken before they pulled her organs out. I mean, <laughs> right. I guess that there's a procedure to be followed, but Jesus Christ. And to your point, I would think that finding a broken neck would probably pretty... If people yeah. could discover well, that just by looking at her, like right. how could... You know? When, you know what I have to say to Megan is not everyone's a taxidermist, so they aren't going to know that stuff like Megan would right off the top of their heads. You know well, Megan knows what a broken neck looks like because That's she's right. stuffing it with shit. Uh, with we know stuff that. going on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, one of, after this happened, one of the doctors turned to Trout and stated, quote, we have found your wife's neck to have been broken, to which Trout replied, they cannot prove I did it. Oh, my God. Okay. An autopsy report was created stating, quote, the discovery was made that the neck was broken and the windpipe smashed Ugh. on the throat where the marks of fingers, indicating that she had been choking. The neck mm. was dislocated between the first and second vertebrae. The ligaments were torn and ruptured. The windpipe had been crushed at a point in front of the neck. Crushing Ugh. someone's windpipe, like even Ugh. broken neck, like I can say broken neck, but crushing a windpipe, I, I just, there's something about it I just cannot handle. I cannot It just sounds it. so cruel, you know? Gruesome. And the report yeah. was made public and its findings caused a great deal of community outrage. Trout was arrested and brought to jail. And even though the evidence against him was merely circumstantial, he was indicted for murder and arraigned. Trout pled not guilty to the charges. Well, this is interesting, right? Because they don't, there's no DNA evidence at this point in history. There's no, there's really no evidence to point to him aside from his awkward behavior, you know, before, during, and after it. So it does, it is interesting in terms of the quarter law, but as he awaited trial, details about Trout's past began to come to light. And it turned out that Zona was Trout's third wife. His first wife, Allie, had given birth to one child before divorcing Trout in 1889 while he was in prison for horse theft. Remember that. Also, can I just say, because at the beginning, like, yeah. you know how um, Mary's, uh, the mother was so, like, um, like very anti-Trout, but she had no way of knowing mm-hmm. that he was, like, an abusive guy. 
if social yeah. media had existed back then <laughs> or like the resources for some for her to get help or something like i'm sure yeah. her mother was just so upset that she kind of had this hunch about this really bad guy but couldn't yeah. prove it it's just horrible well this horrible. is is this this is the same mother who was having the dreams or the exactly. visions so maybe she's an intuit in some way you know what yeah. i mean she's some maybe, kind of maybe she's clairvoyant yeah maybe well in the divorce that we were speaking of about with Allie, Allie had stated that trout was extremely violent and was often physically abusive now remember this is all on the record stuff prior to you know all this going right. down in 1894 trout married his second wife lucy who died eight months after the wedding under mysterious circumstances hmm. okay so now you've got you know a history of abuse and this a murdered is, second wife this is a little bit and listen i i know we probably still have to cover it but this is a little bit like the staircase guy how like two of his wives died by falling down the stairs and you're like huh, right what's yeah. the likelihood of that happening once yeah, exactly. Twice. Like, yeah. that seems a little odd. Very odd. Um, Trout claimed Lucy had fallen and hit her head on a rock, but his neighbors at the time did not believe him. Before any legal action could be taken against him, Trout left town and wandered until moving to Greenbri Greenbrier County in 1896. While in prison, Trout gave interviews and told reporters that his lifelong ambition was to have seven wives... Okay. What? Okay. Noting that he was still a young man and had a good chance of reaching his goal. I mean, like, like, what a what? weird goal. <laughs> yeah. Like, I get being like, I want 10 children, but mm, wives? Sure. No, yeah, wives is especially for that time period. It's just so weird. Yeah, he it's also bizarre. repeat. Yeah, he also repeatedly told reporters that there was no way for prosecutors to prove his guilt. Well, on June twenty second, eighteen ninety seven, Trout's trial began, and lots of community members came forward to testify against him, including, of course, Mary Jane Heaster. Mary took to the stand uh, as Zona's mom and also as the first person to witness the suspicious circumstances surrounding Zona's death. The prosecution didn't question Mary about her ghost sighting, though, as they wanted her to appear reasonable and sane on the stand. Which is right. a very fair point here, yes. Smart, smart lawyers there. Yes. However, the defense was also aware of Mary's sightings. Of course, there's discoverability, so they have to share that, I feel like, if it's evidence, um, over to them and of her daughter's ghosts and questioned her about it during cross-examination. It was clear to the jury that the defense attorney was... Per uh, pursuing this line of questioning in the effort to undermine Mary's testimony and frankly make her look stupid. So it's kind of right. backfiring on her now that and she's... Uh, yeah. And in a lot of ways, we see this with some drug addicts, you know, like, well, weren't you using meth while this happened? And weren't you doing this? And weren't you mm. depressed? Or weren't you this? This does happen with a lot of people who, um, that, that the defense tries to undermine um, the right. witness testimony by making them appear crazy for crazy lack of a better or, term. Yeah, right. right. Or unhinged or at least Whatever. not viable to give a proper uh, mm -hmm. defense. And so, however, Mary remained perfectly calm when she answered the lawyer's questions about the ghost. Her answers were sane, lucid, and her description remained unchanged the entire time. So she never wavered, which I also mm. think is a pretty big point here. The defense attorney ended questioning when he realized he wasn't actually making her look dumb. <laughs> and... <laughs> Which is probably a good sign, right? Like, quit, quit while you're behind, dude. Right, and yeah. After Mary's cross-examination, the judge ruled that her testimony about the ghost was inadmissible and that the jury should exclude it from their deliberation. However, 
this is obviously much easier said than done, which I often find, right? Like in the court yeah. of law, when you're like, all right, jury, strike this from the record. It's like, but do they strike that from their minds? Like right. there, ha- there is implicit bias here. There has to be. I How agree, can you yeah. Do- you know, it's like telling someone, don't think of an elephant. Well, all they're going to think about is a fucking <laughs> elephant, you know? like That's a great example, yeah. Not really sure how perfect that trial is, but I guess it's the kind of the only thing we can go on. And yeah. in a surprising turn of events, it turned out that most of the jury members believed Mary's testimony about seeing Zona's ghost. When the trial ended, the jury began deliberations and quickly found Trout guilty of Zona's murder. The jury was polled at sentencing, and 10 of them voted to sentence Trout to death. However... Mm. The death penalty was never issued without a completely unanimous vote from the jury, thank God. So Trout was spared and sentenced instead to life in prison. Mm-hmm. This sentencing didn't satisfy all the Greenbrier community members, however. And on July 11th, 1887, a lynch mob of 15 to 30 members formed to enact vigilante justice on Trout. Oh now, a, a new rope had been purchased for the occasion. Oh, dear. Just fucking terrifying that is terrifying i will say this just to comment a little bit about believability with ghost stuff i you know all of the things i've ever shared here on the show i feel like i've even told you some things darren that i didn't share on the show not for any kind of suspicious reasons but you know i don't it's not a ghost story show um you know like they are things that have happened to me like and so i kind of do have a little bit of sympathy for mary here because it's like you know, I tell these things back to people and like, you know, I get varying responses. Some people find it creepy. Some people find it interesting. And I have a very good friend, one of my best friends who rolls his eyes and looks the other way every time. And I'm like, listen, I don't lie. I'm not a liar. I'm not here to deceive anybody. You know what I mean? Like, right. This is my lived experience and I'm just telling you what happened. And I don't know what any of it means, but it has happened to me. Um, so I do kind of feel, especially, and then you like, when you put her in a court of law, like imagine the awkwardness around that. But anyway, these people were pissed is basically is where we are at this point in the story. And the mob stormed the jail. However, before they arrived, a man named George Hera alerted the local authorities who beat the mob to the jail to protect trout. So got a little bit of a tip off They're They're able to basically, you know, um, protect him while he's in this jail, and I just think about a mob storming the jail now. Like, I'm sure back then a jail was probably a little, just a basic little building, you know, with a regular front door and windows, is For my sure. guess, you know. Well, the local sheriff helped Trout out out of the jail, excuse me, and they hid together in the woods about a mile outside of town until the mob decided to disband and go home. This reminds me a little bit of To Kill a Mockingbird uh, when they tried to kill uh, the main character when he was in jail and then Atticus Finch like yeah. sat outside the jail to prevent the lynch mob and Scout kind of helped to disband. It, it, it Very touching moment in the scene. Yeah. It does remind me of that a little bit. Well, it was decided that it would be unsafe to keep Trout in the Greenbri- Greenbrier jail. Jeez, I can't say anything right today. So on July 14th, he was relocated to the West Virginia State Penitentiary. Um, in the spring of 1900, an epidemic ravaged the prison. That's interesting. I wonder if that was the flu. Wasn't that the original Spanish flu or something? I, I forget yeah, that's which a one good, that was. No, that's a good point. It might have been, or like the Black yeah. Plague or something. Something, yeah. Well, Trout became ill and passed away on March 13th. Trout's body was allegedly buried in the nearby Tom's Run Cemetery, for which there are no records dated prior to 1930. So... He, you know, allegedly he's there, but there's no way to prove it. 
Mary Heaster passed away in September of 1916. She remained adamant that her ghost sighting was true for the rest of her life. Zona's ghost was never seen again, but there is still a historical marker in Greenbrier County, West Virginia, that serves as a reminder of the case, which is fascinating. Read what the marker says. Read what the marker says. Yeah, so the marker reads, quote, Interred in a nearby cemetery is Zona Heaster Shoe. Her death in 1897 was presumed natural until her spirit appeared to her mother to describe how she was killed by her husband, Edward. Autopsy on the exhumed body verified the apparition's account. Edward, found guilty of murder, was sentenced to the state prison. Only known case in which testimony from ghosts helped convict a murderer. Oh my God, if anyone is in like Greenbrier County, West Virginia, not only do I want to go, but can you find this marker and take a picture of it for us? Because this seems incredible, but it is kind of the only known case where a ghost potentially helped convict, helped, helped convict yeah. for better or for worse. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I know, right? Like, I'm not sure how I do. I am sure I have some friends that live in Greenbrier County, so I'm going to be on the hunt for that, Darren, and I wish I would have known that detail before we started today because I would have looked for it. But, yeah, look, if any of you listeners are in that area, please do go and find it and uh, send us your photo of you, like, a selfie next to it. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. Oh what a great God. case. I mean, yeah. great in terms of just an interesting ghost story and yeah. you know, kind of the, the factual uh, fact-basedness of it all in terms of it not being fact-based because of a ghost, but it's pretty interesting <laughs> how like this, it's just interesting to see how the criminal justice system has evolved has over evolved. 100 a years, to 200 years. And so uh, let yep. us know what you think on our Facebook page. If you're near it, please take a picture of this marker, post it on our <laughs> Facebook page, post it our Patreon. We would love it. You can also DM at Jay Thrasher and at Carpe Darren on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you guys want. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to see it. Let's end uh, Let's end positively. How about that? Yeah, with some listener shout outs. Well, I have to give a very, very special shout out to my friend Brienne, who was somehow, Darren, able to track down a bottle of apple pie Baileys for me a few weeks ago. I know she came in clutch for me and she was so excited to find it. Actually, I, um, I had ran into her and was talking to her about something separately, um, in my town and she was like by the way did you find your apple pie baileys yet like she's a super fan of the show she loves you she loves us it's it's she's been a super fan but i kind of forgot and i was like oh my god you have been listening to every episode of the show and i didn't even realize that i was like no i haven't found it yet but if you know anybody or if you see it on the shelf please let me know and she was on a mission and i feel like she went to like multiple liquor stores and was able to find it so i got a text message one morning this was like the week i think of um our live stream because i had i opened the baileys on our live stream by the way if you're not a patreon fan yet you should join but uh she texted me earlier in the morning and she was like hey um what's your address i might have a little something to uh surprise you with and i said oh my god if you found apple pie baileys in my town i'm gonna kiss you or something like that we ended up meeting later and she had it and i freaked out so thank you brianne i really appreciate your efforts there and by the way thank you to all the listeners who i think i had mentioned before had messaged me when they found it on the shelves and wanted to send it to me luckily uh we didn't have to go to that kind of an extreme so we can't solve murders, but if John needs a <laughs> flavor of Bailey's, we have you covered on this show. Right, that right. is the moral of this story. Yes. Um, we Thank also you, want to everyone. shout out 
Jessica in our Facebook group, who just got married and shared the big news with everyone in our group. Of course, everyone was super supportive and sweet because we just have the best Facebook group ever. We love you guys, and congratulations, Jessica, um, on on getting hitched. Glad that it all worked out. Congratulations from us both. Yeah, and she posted some photos, and she just looked beautiful. So congratulations. By the way, we got to say thank you to Megan really quickly before we sign off. So, Darren, one, two, Two, three. three. Thanks, Thanks, Megan. Thanks, Megan. You're the best. And hopefully, oh, I love oh, the little jingle sorry. as well. Yeah, sorry. Little so if you, if you guys are listening somewhere in public, uh, make sure you count down with us because you never know when you might be sitting around another shaken and disturbed radish. You know, that's what you we're never know. Those murdery radishes and obviously radishes. Please rate, <laughs> review, and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us get found by new fans, aka your future siblings, as our children. So, I don't know if you happen to please. hear that. There was a like screeching noise outside. I heard a little bit, but it was better okay. than like the train going by last week. <laughs> and then like on our Patreon, Birds. you could just play your little sound machine of like the witch cackling. <laughs> and we were right. like, John, I will kill you. Yeah, it was like some car and it's brakes outside. I can't catch a break. But anyway, for bonus content, videos, episodes, and behind-the-scenes access, sign up for our Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And actually, you can get an even steeper discount if you sign up annually. Your support goes a long way for us as independent creators, and we'd really appreciate it. And your support on Patreon keeps us going so thank you guys if you've already signed up and if you haven't yet what are you waiting for it's all what? it's all fun what are you waiting for a ghost to come into your we waiting to for you to yeah sign up? yeah we're gonna send we're zona heaster we're gonna send zona heaster shoe to your house and spook you and tell you to sign up for i'm Patreon. sending trout to them are you kidding that's right <laughs> lord but yes yeah, sign sign up uh oh, and uh we'll see you guys next week for another episode of shaking Just...